Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us here on The Rescue, where you will hear Brother Dewey Dewar preaching in the Word of God concerning the last days and events that are in our world today, leading to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most importantly, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now, here's your speaker, Brother Dewey Dwyer. As we look in the Word of God today, I'm Dewey Dwyer, and we're looking at a world and there's a total disaster. Well, a lot of times we think of disaster as being a material thing where hurricanes, tornadoes, and all the different earthquakes and everything is happening. But the greatest disaster that's happening in our world is daily. It's a con continuous thing. The unbelief in Jesus Christ, not believing in his death, his burial, his resurrection, is the greatest disaster that any person on this earth will ever, ever have because the penalty of not believing in Jesus is death in a lake of fire. So as we see a world disaster of material things and the weather condition and so forth, we're seeing all that happen. But you, yourself, your greatest disaster that will ever happen to you will be the loss of your soul. Why will you lose your soul? One reason, he that believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he is not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What a disaster. Man is continually falling into that presence. With our world so rapidly destroying itself, man is going along with the situation, and man himself is the greatest disaster. His soul cast into the lake of fire, hell and fire and a brimstone, will happen. It's not going to be something that won't happen. It's continually happening right now. The heart failure of people upon this earth is the greatest killer of all. Why? Because of the destruction that's coming up on this world and the things that are happening. Perpetually, all the things that are happening in this world. His worry about the future. And there is no future without Jesus. The only future the lost man will have will be in the lake of fire. As we look in our world, we see the chaos and we see what's happening. The total world chaos. One world government. One world system. One world economy. You're seeing all this. One world ruler, the Antichrist himself, is standing in the sidelines waiting just to come on the scene and take over every country in this world. But there'll be some rebellion against it. But primarily the Antichrist will be a one world ruler. Now we're seeing this paved. We're seeing this happen in our world today. The road is paved for the Antichrist to come in. Now the Antichrist is a man that is indwelled by Satan. Satan gives him power and he will be here very soon. But before he arrives on the scene, every born-again Christian is going to be taken off this earth, will be raptured out of here, and a twinkling of an eye, we which are alive and remain will simply meet Jesus in the air. The dead in Christ will arise.
And they will meet Jesus in here. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Jesus, the King of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Antichrist, and then that evil one. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. And then the evil one is revealed, the Antichrist and his system. Can you just imagine? A man so flamboyant and so much charismatic power that he can rule the world and make people forget about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to happen. But this portrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the one you must receive in order to, to escape this awful destruction which will happen during the seven-year tribulation. We're on the verge of that tribulation happening any moment. And if you've heard the Word of God, you refused it, and this Antichrist, the evil one, comes on the scene, you're going to go to hell and then to the lake of fire forever and ever. The first three and a half years of this seven-year tribulation, as it starts in chapter 6 of Revelations, shows you the first three and a half years, half of the humans upon this earth will be killed. Bodies laying all over the earth won't even have time to bury them. You imagine almost three billion people in three and a half years will be laying dead, rotting all over the United States, Europe, Asia, China, all the different places. This is going to happen. This is not just a, one of those vain imaginations you see on television. I say vain imagination because all movies and all junk they put on TV, except the Word of God, is vain imaginations. You're just dreaming that this is going to be all right. It's not going to be all right unless you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We have a world today who believes in prayer. These people upon this world, they believe in prayer. But the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, I have no prayer. Therefore, if I'm not a born-again Christian, or you're not a born-again Christian, you have no prayer to God. Prayer is works. But look what the Bible says about prayer. First of all, what is prayer? Prayer is, if you can remember a simple word, A-C-T-S. A-C-T-S. Acts. Action. Acts is adoration. Admiring the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And then confessing your sins. And then, that's called repentance. Confessing that you're sinned against God. Anything that you've done is not to the greatness of God is a sin. Anything that doesn't amplify Jesus Christ is a sin. And he says, if you'll just admit it, I'll forgive you and forget it. And then thanksgiving. Thank him for all the wonderful things that he's done for you. Thank him for salvation. Thank him for the food and the rain, all the things he's done for you. And then supplication. Then you say, Lord, this is what I want to talk to you about today. Supplication is bringing your problems to him. He wants to talk to you. Jesus just loves to talk to you. And through Jesus, you go right to the throne of God. In Jesus' name, you can talk to the God, the Father, anytime you want to. Any place, every place. That's what prayer is. But listen. The Bible says, listen closely. In Colossians, we're going to prove today that you lost men do not have a prayer. You haven't got a prayer. You've heard, you've heard that old saying, well, they don't have a prayer of a chance. Not a prayer. Listen to what Colossians says. You really don't. Listen to what Colossians, as it speaks about this particular thing, it, God was trying to tell you that men needs to pray. And Colossians tells us, 
that there is a time for prayer. 4.12, let's look at that. Colossians 4.12 Who is one of you a servant of Christ? Ephesus. Who is one of you a servant of Christ? This is a born-again Christian. Saluted you, always laboring. Now we're going to show you how if you're laboring in prayer and you're not a born-again Christian, they don't get answer because you don't have a line through Jesus Christ to God the Father on the throne. Always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Now that one scripture, if you took that, you've got hundreds of them in there, shows you that prayer is laboring, talking, it's works. So therefore, as a lost man, you don't have a sinner's prayer. How many people say, well, pray this prayer, you're going to get saved. I've said that a thousand times. But God enlightened me the fact that unless a man is born again, he has no prayer. How do you get born again? Be a born again Christian. Believe. See, the only way you can be saved is believe by faith. Let's look at another scripture. As we say, there's times when you feel that you need to pray. What do you need to pray? But you've got to believe in Jesus before you can pray. So therefore, you're not a born-again Christian. So, as we see the prayers, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us, specifically, that you're saved by grace. That's the unmerited favor of God. Saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You cannot go to heaven except by believing. That's you. Believing in Jesus Christ and His finished works on Calvary's cross. And then you have a prayer. Then you can pray, God, I, I'm, I'm glad. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm glad to be saved by you because I believed in your death, your burial, your resurrection. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you are God. I believe in you, Jesus Christ. And then you simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. But you have believed in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, you can pray anytime you want to. But a lot of people say, well, I get up in the morning and I pray to God. But they don't mention Jesus. They don't even say if they believe in Jesus. Watch most of your television programs. Watch most of the religious programs. They don't say a word about believing. They just say pray. But you don't have a prayer to God until you have believed in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in and own. Own and in Jesus Christ. And His finished works on Calvary's cross. Now, let's go back again. If you're a lost person, and you are if you haven't been born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, because when you believe just like that, you ask Jesus to come in your heart and just like that, you're saved. A new person comes into that body, born by the Holy Spirit of God. You have a new soul, new body. Not a new body, but a new soul, a new spirit. Your old body stays about the same. But it gradually changes. You think different. You talk different. You feel different. You feel compassion for the lost people. You want them to go to heaven. Instead of asking for all the money they got, you ask them, are you a born-again Christian? 
You say, and that person answers, yes, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished works on Calvary's cross. That's how you tell a person a born-again Christian, just like that. But when they say, well, I went down to the altar and I prayed a prayer and I went on to doing my own thing. Yes, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, believe in thine heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But notice, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ gives you the right to pray. And prayer is talking to God. Prayer is adoration, admiring the wonderful God of the universe and all the things that He's done and all He's done for you. Confessing your sins when you sin. If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just forgive my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Father, in Jesus' name, right now as I'm preaching, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins, known and unknown. I do that every night and every morning. When I do that at that moment, I am totally free of any sin. Of course, through the day, but later on, Satan comes along, tries to trap you some way or another, and if I sin, I say, Father, forgive me. And Jesus says, Father, in Jesus' name, do his ask forgiveness. What do you do about that? He said, oh, son, I remember. You paid for that on Calvary's cross. His sins and the fact that he was a sinner. Instantly. Wiped the flat thing clean. The slate is clean, but God, the wonderful God of this universe, is showing you that it's not what you say, but what you believe in your heart. You can't cry enough to be saved. You can't say enough to be saved. You can't die enough to be saved. You can't pay enough to be saved. You can't steal enough to be saved. You can't lie enough to be saved. But you can believe enough to be saved. The simplicity of believing by faith in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. Are you going to let Satan take you to hell because you prayed a simple prayer at some altar or sometimes you prayed or every morning you pray but you didn't truly believe in Jesus? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross some 2,000 years ago? Was buried in a grave and arose from the dead for your justification? That He is God that He was God in flesh that came here and stayed on this earth for three years just to show the world and they didn't believe Him. Do you believe by faith? Simple faith. The same faith that God installed in you when you sit in your chair at home. You don't even question whether that chair will fault or not. You don't question when you step forward to step down a step that that step will hold you up. That's faith. The same simple faith is what you believe by faith in the finished work of the on Calvary's cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are you going to pray? Pray everywhere, anywhere. It don't make no difference. You don't have to be at an altar. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. There is no such thing as baptism to be saved. That's a lie from Satan trying to get you to do some works. But the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, least any man boast. 
Notice, works. Works. Prayer is a labor, a work. But believing is a gift of God. Believe by faith through the grace of God unto salvation. So works cannot be done for salvation. You cannot be baptized to be saved. That's a lie. That's not Bible. That's works. It's believing. Believing in the finished works of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Lost man, I'm trying to get you. Lost woman, child, I'm trying to get you to save your own self. How can you do that? By believing. In John 1, first chapter. John 1.12 As many as received Him, Jesus Christ, received, believed in His finished works on Calvary. As many as received Jesus Christ, to Him gave them the power to become the sons of God. As many as received Him, to gave Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. Hey, I can tell you the words of God. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Sometimes I get too fast, don't I? As many as receive Him, Jesus Christ, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. How do you receive Jesus? Believing. Believing. As I said before, you can't pray enough. You can't cry enough. I've seen people get on an altar and pray for two or three hours, wore everybody out in the church. Got up and said, are you saved? No. They sure wasn't. If he got saved, he wouldn't have cried so much. He would have simply rejoiced in the fact he would have knew, known that there was a new person inside of him. That new person, that soul and spirit, is born of God. Can you lose it? No way. What is of God is forever. Ecclesiastes, go over and look, look for it. Chase it down. Whatsoever God doth, he did it forever. Oh, I can give back to him. Oh, you can, huh? So you're more greater than God, huh? No way. When you're saved, you're saved. But you can tell you're saved because of the way you act, talk, see, smell, everything is changed. Our world don't know what I'm talking about. Lost men, when God's dealing with you, you're listening to me, the Word of God, or any other preacher's preaching the Word of God, then He'll tell you the only way to salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way you can escape the lake of fire is by believing. Believing in Jesus and His finished works on Calvary's cross. Yes, we have a world disaster. It sure ain't the floods as it was in the days of Noah. It sure ain't the hurricanes. It sure ain't the tornadoes. It's not the earth, all the earth-shaking things that are happening. All the volcanoes, all the windstorms, all the things that's happening to our world, the destruction. Incidentally, most of your weather system is now controlled by the great weather station located in Alaska. Five billion watt transmitter bends the actual jet streams and you think well it's all natural no it's not natural it's experimental weather control and they're getting away with it we'll preach on that another time but anyway as we see the world disasters the only disaster that you should be worried about is where you're going to spend eternity you'll spend in one or two places either in hell for a thousand years and then the lake of fire forever and ever never ending 
total destruction of you, but never fully destructed in the lake of fire. See, these destructions you're seeing are real. They're real in this world. But your eternal soul is also real. It was made by God for God, but you have the choice. You came into this world and you didn't have no choice to get here. You were just born into it. God gave you a soul, spirit, and a body. And then it was up to you after you come to the age of accountability, when you know right from wrong, know about Jesus. Then you became responsible how you leave this world. You think, well, I'm going to live forever. No way. Three score and ten average. Not even many, any average anymore. Most of them die before, way before their time's up because of the world catastrophes, the world destruction. But you know what causes that? Sin bringeth a reproach on every nation that defies God. Sin is a defiance of God, breaking the laws of God. Then what do you expect? You have no protection of God unless you're a born-again Christian. A nation has no protection of God unless they abide by the laws of God. So as we see the destruction of our United States of America, and you can't deny that, that it's really being destructed fast. How soon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? We're seeing a preview of everything that's written in the 1611 King James Version of the Bible, starting at chapter 6 of Revelations, starting in chapter 24 of Matthew. You see these things happening to our world. The deception, the lying, the stealing, and, and the killing, all the different things that are happening in our world today, defying God. Just a preview of what's going to happen in tribulation time. As the revelations reveal. Say, that Bible, the revelations wrote about 2,000 years ago. How in the world did they know what was going to happen at these last days? How did they say that this world was going to be destroyed? God pinned it down through the prophets. The Holy Spirit instructed all the writers what to put in that Bible warning people of the last days of the total chaos of a world that is defying God. Yes, our world's been totally destructed. Destroyed day by day. Every flood just like in the Noah's day. Every sin just like in Noah's day. The total defiance of God just like in Noah's day. But you, you are the, you're so important to God that He wants you to go to heaven. God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. Would you allow your son, if you have a son or daughter, would you allow your son or daughter to be nailed to a tree for another person or the world? I think not. You would fight to the death to protect your child from being nailed to a tree. That he would be the sacrifice for the world. But God didn't. God and Jesus, God the Father and Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, three persons, one God, all agreed that Calvary must happen because man has sinned against God. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. There is no other way except Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. But God allowed His Son. Jesus volunteered to go to Calvary's cross to be nailed to a tree, an old rugged cross, that you and I could go to heaven. That we didn't have to spend eternity in hell and the lake of fire to pay for the sins. He paid for them on Calvary's cross. That Jesus paid for it that you could be saved. 
And the only way you can come to Jesus, only way you can escape the catastrophes up on this earth, the hell on earth will be nothing, is nothing like the hell you're going to burn in for a thousand years. The only way you can escape that is believe. Believe in the finished works of Jesus Christ. Then pray. You can't pray enough. You can't cry enough. You can't steal enough. You can't lie enough. You have to believe enough. How much is enough? Just like that. Totally. You have a free will to believe in Jesus Christ. God knows your heart. God knows what you believe. And when you say, I am, and you are the controller of your memory, you're in control of your mind and your heart and your emotions. When you program yourself to do something, you do it, don't you? When you hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is telling you, but the Holy Spirit won't make you get saved. You've got to do it. As many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name, Jesus Christ. This very moment, as we're starting to close, think about this. How many times have you prayed, Oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, do this. God, take care of us today. Never talking about Jesus. He's the only way. See, you can't talk to God except through Jesus. He's the one. Through Him, prayer is made possible. But you can't talk to anyone in the Godhead except you believe in Jesus. He's the key. He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And only you can do it. The simple things. When you believe. Very simple. Fast as you believe. Fast as you become a Christian. And you'll know it if you believe. If you believe. You must believe. And then say, Father, I believe in Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Please, dear God, I thank you so much for all you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart and save me today. When you believe that, God said, Him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. Is from then on, you have a total free line through the Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father on the throne. Jesus said, I'll be with you. The Holy Spirit said, I'll be with you. And they said, God the Father said, I'll be in you and with you always. I'll never leave you. Do it today. Save your life. It's 
changing one moment of friend. Oh, there's power, power, power to spend, and all that you'll ever need is waiting. There is power, power in prayer. Oh, yes. A bed holds a body and is curled with pain. The doctors have tried, oh, but hope is in vain. Oh, but wait, someone's praying. In the midst of the gloom And all at once The great physician Steps into the room Oh, there's power Power in prayer Power to spare And all that you'll ever need is waiting right there. A few words, a little child's faith, and it's goodbye despair. For there's so much. Church, there is power, power in prayer. Oh, yes. A few words, a little child's faith. And it's goodbye, despair, for there's so much, yes, there's power, power in Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people, filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides the silent cries Only Jesus hears People need the Lord People need the Lord At the end of broken dreams He's the open door Oh, 
John 14 Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare place for you. And if I go and prepare place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away, and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. 
Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise. Let us go hence. When I see leaves falling, I know winter's coming. When flowers are blooming, I know there's a spring. For the seasons abide by the word he has given. Now signs are appearing. For Jesus to come I'm looking for Jesus My soon coming King I know He's returning Like a bird on a wing It may be at morning, but he may come tonight. I want to be ready to go, let my soul take its flight. The trumpet will sound for the joy of that moment. My soul hears his footsteps, and I look toward the sky. My heart beats with rapture as the Spirit speaks to me, saying, Lift up your head, for my coming is nigh. I'm looking for my soon coming King I know He's returning Like a bird on the wing It may be at morning But He may come My soul take its flight I want to be ready to go Let my soul take its flight And the subject for our message is hell real. I believe what the Bible teaches about hell. In the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Luke is recorded one of the saddest incidents in all of the Bible. The Bible tells us about two men. One of them was a beggar. The other was a rich man. And they both died. 
And the Bible declares that the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. Lifted up his eyes in hell. Being in torment, he cried out, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Is hell real? Is there really a hell? If there is no hell, and many deny that there is, and if there is no hell, then I tell you there is no heaven. There is no God. There is no Jesus Christ. There is no Holy Spirit. There is no devil. If there is no hell, then, my dear friends, there is nothing to salvation, and we are nothing more than an animal. And we die, that's all there is to it. But as sure as there is a heaven, and as sure as there is a God, and as sure as Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and as sure as the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin, there is a hell. The same Bible that tells us about heaven, the same Bible that tells us about God, the same Bible that tells us about the Lord Jesus Christ, the same Bible that tells us about the devil, is the Bible that tells us about hell. So if you say there is no hell, then you destroy and you take away and you blaspheme the name of God because you're calling the Lord Jesus Christ a liar. He is the one that related this incident that we find in the 16th chapter of the, of, of the Gospel of Luke. It was the Lord Jesus Christ that said there were two men, two men, one of them a rich man, one of them a beggar, and they both died. And the rich man also lifted up his eyes in hell. In hell. So Jesus, if there is no hell, was a liar when he said that. And I know that you know that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the truth. The Word says He is the way, the truth. And every word that Jesus Christ uttered while He was here upon this earth was the very Word of God. And when He says that there is a hell, all of the people who deny it, all the people who do not believe that there is one, I tell you, it doesn't change my mind at all. As long as the Bible says it, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to preach it. And there is a hell. And when I think of this and realize what the Word of God declares about it, I say, Lord, help me to so preach it that every man that's lost and every woman that's on their way to this awful place of torment will believe what we are saying, not because it's J. Harold Smith that's saying it, but because the Word, the Bible, the Lord Jesus teaches it, and the Word of God teaches that there is a place of torment, a place of hell, called hell. So we read in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 9, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones on the, uh, uh, all the kings of the nations. So what does it say? It says, Hell from beneath. That sort of tells me where it is. I have always believed, and from my study of the Word of God, I believe that hell is in the center of this earth. I believe that when we, and the Bible declares, that hell hath enlarged herself. There are so many people going to hell today until God has had to enlarge hell. In the beginning, God did never create, and God did not create hell, 
for human beings. He created hell for the devil and for his angels. And if you go to hell, you're going to go there as an uninvited guest. I mean, you're going to go there because you have stepped over all of the love, all of the laws, all of the pleadings, all of the entreaties, all of the begging that the Holy Spirit, all the convicting that the Holy Spirit can give you. You're going to go to hell because God has done His best and you have rejected it all. So if I could get you to believe it, just like the Bible teaches it, there isn't a man there is no woman, a boy or a girl listening to me and looking into my face, but what you wouldn't immediately cry out to God, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the only way that you'll ever be saved from hell is not by joining a church, not by being baptized, not by turning over a new leaf, not, not by living by the golden rule, not by joining some secret order, not by joining some civic club. I mean, the only way that you'll ever escape hell is for the Jew, for the Gentile, for the good, for the bad, for the rich, for the poor. The only way that you will ever, ever not uh, escape hell is to come by the way of the cross through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible declares that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. No man can fully realize how horrible hell really is. The pain, the thirst, will be eternal. The Bible says God has never sent a soul to hell. God never has and God never will send your soul to hell. You decide yourself by rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ and by living in sin, open rebellion against God. And the Bible declares that God has not prepared it, as I said a moment ago, for you, but he's prepared it for the devil and the, his angels. Sin is one of the things you're going to find in hell. You'll find its sting, you'll find its wage, you'll find its desire, and you'll find its death. All of this will be in hell. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting uh, contempt. Will you one day wake up in hell? There has never been a man on the face of God's earth that intended to go to hell as soon as he arrived. I talked to a man 99 years old, and I begged him to give his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. The nurse had just told me this man is going to be dead, perhaps within 24 hours. And preacher, he's almost 100 years old, and he's never made a profession of faith. He's never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And a Catholic nun was the one that introduced me to him. And she stood there by the bedside as I tried to win that man to the Lord Jesus. And he said, no, no, I'm not interested. I'm going to live a long time. I said, but sir, you are 99 years old and you're here in the intensive care of the St. Edward's Hospital and you are going to die and you may die today. He said, well, that'll be my business and not yours, young man. And I'm not interested in your God. Before I got back on the elevator, went out of the lobby of that, of that hospital. They were calling me to come back to that room. And when I got up there, that old man had gone into eternity, into hell. And I never will forget the stare of those eyes as they stared up at that ceiling of that room in that hospital. The awful look that was upon his face. And I could just imagine that was his first glimpse of that place of torment. The first glimpse of hell. Let me tell you, one of these days, you're going to be surprised how quick your life is going to end. One of these days, you're going to be surprised 
how awful and terrible hell is. If I could recommend a, a place to you where there is stinging scorpions, and if I could recommend a place to you where there are vicious animals that would destroy your life and cause you to live a miserable life, not a one of you, but what you would avoid that place. But when I tell you about a place where there is no water, when I tell you about a place where there is no comfort, when I tell you about a place where you'll not find one holy man, where you'll not find one honorable man, but where you'll find horrible faces, if I could, and I'll tell you about a place where you will never have a moment of rest, where the worms will eat upon your body forever and ever. There isn't a one of you, not a one of you, I tell you, that wouldn't turn to Jesus if you really believe that. But you actually do not believe what the Bible teaches about it. You do not believe what Jesus Christ himself said about hell. He said it's a place where the fire is not quenched. He said it's a place where there is not one drop of water, where there is no mercy, where there is no love, where there are no kind people. Now, you think about it for just a moment. What about hell? It's sorrow. I cannot describe to you the sorrow of hell. Think about the crowds that are there. All of the drunks that died without Jesus Christ are in hell. All the dope addicts that died without Jesus and from an overdose in hell. All the liars, all the thieves, all the mass murderers, all of those that shed human blood, all of them are in hell. And when I think about you and how that you will not believe what I'm saying at this moment, but you will go on and face that awful crowd that's going to meet you when you get to hell. When I think of that, I am amazed at your stupidity. Really, nobody ever told me. Really, buddy, nobody ever told me before I got saved how awful hell was. I cannot remember ever hearing a preacher preach on the terrible torments of hell and the terrible, terrible sorrows that will be there. The Bible declares in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 40, 41 and 42, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which are do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now that's the way the Lord Jesus Christ describes your exit from this earth if you're going to hell. It'll be a time of wailing It'll be a time of gnashing of teeth for every Christian who has ever, for every Christian that you've ever laughed at and mocked and made fun of, you'll suffer in hell for it. For every bottle of beer, for every bottle of booze, for every drop of liquor that you've ever consumed, you'll regret it throughout all eternity. For every precious girl that you've ever robbed of her virtue, you'll think of it and you'll mourn and grieve and suffer for it forever and ever. Not only do we find sin in hell and suffering in hell, but you'll find all of your senses there. All of your senses. You'll be able to speak as you have never spoken. You'll be able to scream as you have never screamed in all of your life. You'll be able to hear like you have never heard. You'll be able to see like you have never seen. You'll be able to think like you have never thought. You'll be able to feel all of 
the agony, feel the pain such as you have never known. The Bible tells us that when we die as a saint of God, God's going to give us a new body like unto His glorious body in which there is no corruption. But I believe that every sinner that dies will get a new body, a body that will never be consumed by fire or brimstone, but one that will be more sensitive to the pain of brimstone and fire than the present body that you now live in. I wonder how in the world can you choose such a place for eternity? How can you turn down Jesus Christ and reject Him when He's offering Himself, when He knew how horrible hell was, and it was so horrible that God was willing to give up His Son, and His Son was willing to give up heaven, give up His throne, give up His majesty, give up all of His glory, give up all of His worship, and come to this earth and die an awful death on the cross, just in order to save you and to save me from a devil's hell. When I think of that, I say, how can you reject it? Not only do you find sin and sorrow and all of our senses in hell, but you'll also find suffering such as you have never known. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, Depart from me, ye, uh, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angel. So this place called hell is a place of eternal fire, everlasting fire, everlasting brimstone, everlasting suffering, such suffering as you have never known. Never for one second will your pain end. There will be no sedation. There will be no, nothing to relieve you when you get to hell. But the worst thing in hell and the worst person in hell is the devil, Satan. So we find sin, we find sorrow, we find our senses, we find suffering, and last of all, we find Satan. Where is he? In his kingdom. You remember that the devil, brother, was once the archangel of glory. He was at one time the minister of music in heaven. In him were all of the pipes of beauty and harmony. And he was so powerful until he thought that he would be able to dethrone God and take over heaven. And the Bible says he rebelled against God. The first sin that, and the sin that sent the devil to hell was rebellion against God and P-R-I-D-E, pride. And so the Bible declares that the devil set up a conspiracy in heaven against God. And the Word of God says he was able to control and deceive and cause to follow him a third of all of the angels. What a powerful being the devil is. I want to tell you, there's not a one of you more powerful than the devil. There has never lived one single human being upon this earth. Not one human being. Jesus was without sin, but every other person, the first man, Adam, sinned. The devil overcame him, defeated him. The greatest leader, military leader that ever lived was Moses, and the devil defeated him. The wisest man that ever lived on this earth, with the exception of our Lord, was Solomon, King Solomon and the devil deceived him. The greatest king that ever sat on a throne in this earth was David, King David, and the devil deceived him and caused him to commit adultery, and then led him into murder, and then led him away from God. And my dear friends, when I stop to think of how powerful the devil is, you will not be able to overcome him, and you will not be able to find the victory until you find it at the foot of the cross. 
There is nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, that can cleanse you from your sin. And if you do not come to the cross, and if you do not come to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent, I mean truly repent of your sins. And when I mean repent, I mean turn away from them. Repentance means turning away from those sins. You're going to, you're going to go to hell when you die. I used to think that if you went to hell, there were no exits, but I was wrong. You know, the Bible says in the 20th chapter of Revelation that death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. And they stood before God, all of them, only to be cast into the lake of fire. So all of you that will go to hell and think that maybe after a thousand years you can get out, or maybe that some man can pray you out, or you can pay a certain fee and get out, that's a lie and a deception of the devil. And I want to tell you, if you die without Jesus Christ, you'll go to hell and stay there until the morning of the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20. Then death and hell shall give up the dead that are in them, but that's not going to be victory. It's going to be worse. It's going to be like getting out of the frying pan into the fire. And the Bible declares that you should, shall then abide where the devil, where the false prophet, where the antichrist is, and you will abide in that lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Is that your choice? Really, is that what you want? Is that what you want for your children? Is that what you want for your neighbor? Is that what you want for your friend? Brother Preacher, is that what you want for your church members? Surely not. But why is it that we never hear sermons anymore on hell? Why is it that we don't tell the people the truth of what Jesus declares in the Word of God? I'm an old man. I know I'll soon be in heaven or the Lord's coming. One of the two. I was born June the 14th, 1910. So it doesn't take a good mathematician to tell you how old I am. But I want to tell you something, folk. I'm going to spend the rest of my life, I'm going to spend every dollar that God can put into my possession, I'm going to spend it to try to keep people out of this awful place called H-E-L-L. -L. And I'm going to reach out this hand and do my best to kick you by the hand and lead you to the cross and to turn you away from your wicked ways to a saving knowledge of our wonderful Lord. He stands with a bleeding wound in his hand. He stands with wounded feet. He stands with a nail-pierced hand and foot. He stands with a whip-torn back. He stands with a thorn-pierced brow. He stands looking into your face and saying, Why not tonight? Why not come to me? I'll redeem you. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you from every sin. And I'll let you walk away from this place right now, a member of the family of God, a child of the King. If I could, I'd make the decision for you. Perhaps your dad and mother that a Christian said make the decision for you, but they can't. Perhaps your wonderful pastor would make a decision for you, but he can't make it. The only person that can make that decision is Y-O-U. And is it yes or no? Is it for him or against him? Will you receive him 
or reject him. I firmly believe with all of my heart and soul that no church can save you. I firmly believe that no water can cleanse you. I firmly believe that no works can make you whole and holy in the sight of God. It's only the blood that we shed upon that cross that can cleanse you from your sin. But I believe that if you'd call on him and ask him right this very moment, just close your eyes and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a wicked, ungodly sinner. I'm on my way to hell, and I need you, Lord. I need you. This preacher has told me the truth about hell, and I need you so much. As we look here, we find that the worm will never die, and the pain will never cease, and the fire will never go out, and you will suffer torment forever and ever and ever if you miss Jesus. If you miss heaven and turn away from God, please, I beg you in this last moment of this telecast, I beg you right there just to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Would you let me pray for you? Would you? Our Father out there somewhere is a sinner. Maybe a man or a woman, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister. Maybe a young man, maybe a young woman. Maybe a boy, 12 or 13 years old. Maybe a little girl, 10 years old. She don't want to go to hell. Lord, you don't want her to go to hell. And I pray that right now you'll redeem her. Forgive them, save them, cleanse them. Wash them in your precious blood. And God, may we hear from them. May they write us and say, Preacher, when you preached on hell, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and he did. And thank you, preacher. I'll never go to hell. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Then you pray, then you pray for the rocks and the mountains, 
rocks in the mountains, rocks in the mountains, rocks in the mountains won't hear you, won't hear you. Then you die, then you die, we'll be cast forever, cast forever. Then oh, oh, sinner man, where you gonna hide?
Heaven, such glorious beauty everywhere. Heaven, there's no other place that can compare. Heaven, God's glory fills the air. Heaven, there'll be no more pain and sorrow there. Heaven, no more sickness and death, nor despair. Heaven, the Lamb of God sits on His throne chair. Heaven is the eternal home for the saints the Lord has prepared. If you're on the road to nowhere, separation from a holy God is a living nightmare. Your life may seem hopeless, but Jesus cares. Jesus understands, and He is aware. That's why the cross He did bear. He wants you to become His kingdom heir. Can you trust and believe in the Lord today? If yes, then pray the sinner's prayer. Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner and have sinned against you. And my sins have separated me from you. Please forgive me for my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with all my heart that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary that I can be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. I repent of my sins and I will live and worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right now I am born again. I am saved, and I am cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.